Here's Pastor Steve Converse to begin today's broadcast of Graceful Truth as we move in to the season of Christmas. If you like flowcharts, the Christmas story now looks like this. The gospel says repent. We answer, I can't. Jesus says, I can. See, that's the heart of the Christmas story. God loved us so much that he sent his son to be born among us so that we can receive the power of his. I can. The gospel says repent. We answer, I can't do this by myself. And Jesus says, you don't have to. See, that's the the promise and the purpose of Christmas. What you can't do for yourself, Jesus says, I can do for you. Join us. Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse is coming up next. From Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City, we greet you in Christ and welcome you to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, will take us to Matthew chapter 3 today. We'll be looking at the first 12 verses. As we move into the season of Christmas, it's good to be reminded of this season and what it really is for you and I. Now, today, we've got three words that we'll be looking at, repent, grace, and help the hard word, the good word, and the key word. It's a look at John the Baptist's message leading up to Christ. So please join us for today's broadcast of Graceful Truth Now. Once again, our teacher and pastor, here's Pastor Steve Converse. Of Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. As you find your places in your Bibles, I'd like to open up with an illustration. Way of introduction, if you were to ask Robert Oswald about his family, you'd quickly realize that he's, well, he's more than happy to tell you about him. Robert's actually proud of his family, and you certainly have no reason to think that he deliberately avoided mentioning any particular family member. If you were to visit his home, you'd notice that in the living room, the walls are covered with pictures of his family. Mom, dad, grandparents, sisters, his wife, the kids, they're all there. Looking at this broad array of photos, you'd never suspect that someone had been left out. But if you were to make your way back into Robert's bedroom, you might notice a picture of a person not featured in the family gallery in the living room. It's just a single picture, a simple picture. It's a photo of his brother, a brother who's been dead for some 47 years. Robert Oswald's brother was named Lee Harvey Oswald. Well, as you can imagine, it's not easy being the brother of the man who assassinated President of the United States, John Kennedy. Robert Oswald still loved his brother, He didn't want to forget him, but he's not real comfortable talking about his brother, so he keeps a picture of his brother, but he doesn't put it out there in the living room for everyone else to see. You know, I think sometimes that's the kind of way we feel about John the Baptist and his part in the Christmas story. We know he's part of the cast, but we're just not real comfortable with his part. And so while Jesus and Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and even the angels and the wise men get to play on center stage, it seems that we do our best to keep John the Baptist stuck back off stage, 
back in the dressing room. And it's not all that difficult to understand why. John was a rather strange individual. He wore clothes made out of camel's hair. He was fond of eating honey and bugs. But mostly, I think we're uncomfortable with him because he had an incredible knack for saying, well, let's just say some very rude things. The kinds of things that we'd rather not hear, especially at Christmas time. But you know what? Unfortunately, if you miss John the Baptist part of the Christmas story, you stand a really good chance of missing the whole thing. In fact, John's part is so central to the Christmas story that the first verse of Mark's gospel describes John's role as the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So while his message may make us a little bit uncomfortable this time of year, it's a message that we definitely need to hear. So this morning, I'd just like to read for you out of Matthew chapter 3, and you can follow along there in your Bibles, verses 1 to 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was one of locusts and honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around Jordan went out to find him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones, and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and is thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. No wonder he makes us uncomfortable. We're all set to sing carols and drink eggnog, and all of a sudden John the Baptist bursts into the room talking about vipers and axes and rotten trees being thrown into the fire. Probably won't find John's writing on any Hallmark cards anytime soon. So why is this difficult message so important to the Christmas story? Why do we need to hear from him at all during the holiday season? Well, it's because John the Baptist forces us to hear some words that have to be heard if the Christmas story is ever going to be anything more than just that, a story in our lives. And the first word that John makes us hear is the word repent. That's right, the R word, repent. It's the hard word in John's message. Listen again to the opening words of John's message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
Is that really a message we need to hear at Christmas time? Well, apparently so, because in verse 17 of the very next chapter, we read that Jesus Christ began his teaching ministry with the very same words. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. See, John and Jesus make the same point in the same language. And the point is this, if you're going to go to Bethlehem with the hope of being changed by the child who was born there, you're going to have to be willing to pass through this gate called repentance. So what does the word repentance mean? Well, once again, we come to another word that has been oftentimes cheapened by our popular culture. Because repentance is so much more than just feeling sorry. Repentance is much deeper than just shedding tears of remorse. Repentance is much more profound than simply apologizing for past wrongs. Repentance literally means this. It literally means to turn around. To repent is to radically reorient the direction of your entire life so that everything about our life now points us in the direction of Jesus and his kingdom. When John calls us to repent, he is calling us, first of all, to acknowledge that deep within ourselves, there is such a thing as a sinful nature that constantly pulls us away from God's desires for us and towards the very things that are often harmful to our spirit, contrary to the best interests of ourselves, and ultimately even destructive to our future well-being. Then once we've acknowledged our basic bent towards sin, that we are a sinner, repentance then calls us to do a 180, to completely reorient our lives so that our eyes are now firmly focused on Jesus. And from that time forward, repentance is demonstrated as we continuously reject everything that would slow us down or deter our progress towards his kingdom and constantly embrace those opportunities that move us further towards his kingdom and more like his character. It may be that the best working definition of repentance is found in Jesus' own words. He said this, If anyone wants to be my follower, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Here's a practical test to help you measure the health of your repentance quotient. It's made up of four simple words. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? We've seen it on bracelets. We've seen it on signs and posters and bumper stickers. WWJD. What would Jesus do? I think she's flirting with me. Well, what would Jesus do? Well, that sure would be an easy way to get some money. Well, what would Jesus do? You know what? No one will probably ever find out about this. What would Jesus do? You know, I ask that question of myself a lot, and it clarifies a lot of my decisions I make in life. It also helps me avoid detours in my lifelong journey towards the kingdom. You know what? The bottom line is simply this. If you want Christmas to be more than just a nice story, you have to confront the first of John's words, the hard word, with a heavy demand, repent. Now, the struggle we have with this process of repentance and the thing that makes it such a hard, hard word is that, honestly, repentance ultimately asks us to change more than just our behavior. 
True repentance demands that we change our heart. And that's not only hard to do. I would say it's impossible. With enough resolve and willpower, I may be able to avoid the bad stuff and do the good stuff in life. But even at my best, I can't change the basic nature of my heart. And you know what? Neither can you. So what do we do? Well, we listen to the second word of John's message, and that's the word grace. If repentance is the hard word, then grace is surely the good word. If repentance is the first word of the Christmas story, then grace is surely the second. See, grace is God's promise that he will never demand from us what he won't also give to us. Think about this. God asks us to forgive others, and by grace, he empowers us to do so by first forgiving us. God asks us to love others even when they're not particularly lovable. And by grace, he empowers us to do so by first loving us even when we were unrepentant, uninterested and unloving towards him, lost in our sin. And God asks us to repent, to turn from everything that is harmful to our relationship with him. And by grace, he empowers us to do so in sending his son to be born among us, God incarnate, to die for us, and to finally to live inside us. As the Apostle Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. God wants us to repent. That's the hard part. But the good news, the good word, is that God will accomplish our repentance through the power of Christ within us. And that's the good part. That's the good news. His grace And all we have to do is let go of our past and follow him into our future. That brings me to the third word, the key word, the important word, help. The key word of Christmas, help. The word that turns the story of Christmas into a vibrant, life-transforming reality. If you like flowcharts, the Christmas story now looks like this. The gospel says repent. We answer, I can't. Jesus says, I can. See, that's the heart of the Christmas story. God loved us so much that he sent his son to be born among us so that we can receive the power of his, I can. The gospel says, repent. We answer, I can't do this by myself. And Jesus says, you don't have to. See, that's the the promise and the purpose of Christmas. What you can't do for yourself, Jesus says, I can do for you. And all that he asks of us is that we acknowledge our need for his intervention. And when we give him the opportunity, he will burst into our life the way he burst into our world in a manger in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago. We reach the end of our rope. We cry out to him and acknowledge that we are a sinner and that we are in need of his grace. Be merciful to to me, O God, a sinner. That's a prayer that God will answer when it comes from a true and repentant heart. I think there's another reason that John's message also makes us uncomfortable, and it's simply the fact that he saved his harshest words for the most religious people. See, those were the people he called the brood of vipers, the religious people. But it's 
a healthy discomfort that we feel because it reminds us that no matter how much we practice our religion, we never outgrow our need for the daily intervention of Jesus Christ in our lives. The truth is, the moment we think that we've outgrown our need for Christ and for Christmas is the very moment that we need it most. I want to invite you this morning to come to the manger, not to worship a baby, but to acknowledge a king. Come with an honest assessment of who you are and who he is. Come with an honest assessment of what he can do and what you can't do and what he alone has done for you. See, I encourage you to come with a childlike sense of wonder and anticipation. Then go from the manger and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Recognize that you are a sinner. Realize that Christ died on a cross for you. Repent of your sin. Turn away from it and turn to Christ. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. Do it publicly. Do it now. I encourage you. I want to conclude with an illustration for you golf lovers out there. There's a golf story that's been making the rounds, and no pun intended there, for years. And I don't know if it's true or not, but it's a good story, so I want to share it with you today. Several years ago, Arnold Palmer played in a charity golf tournament in Saudi Arabia, and he was a special guest of the Saudi king. And on the last day, one of the king's men visited him, Arnold, at his hotel and told him as a token of gratitude, the king wanted to give him a gift, anything at all. You just name it. Well, Arnold said, you know what? A gift isn't necessary. But if the king insists, he can give me a golf club as memento of the time I spent in your country. Well, the next morning, as he was checking out of his hotel, he was given an envelope. And inside the envelope was a deed. And the deed was to a golf club. That's right, with 18 holes, a restaurant, and a pro shop. As the saying goes, Christmas came a little early for Arnold Palmer that year. You know, the celebration of Christmas is about a gift that we have been given that is so wonderful, it can hardly be put into words. Every year we sing the Christmas carol, Joy to the World, because Christmas is, at least should be, a time of joy. We celebrate the fact that when Jesus came into the world as a little child, He came for one purpose. Historians will someday look back at this decade, the 20th century, and note that some of the most profound changes have occurred in history and technology and world affairs and culture than any other decade. History reveals many of those epic moments within the 20th century. Rome recognizing Christianity in 303 AD, the fall of Rome in 476 AD, the Norman conquest of England in 1066. The first book printing it, the Gutenberg Press in 1453, when Christopher Columbus discovered America in 1492. There was an American Revolution in 1776. Researchers in New Mexico unveil atomic energy in 1945. Men walk on the moon in 1969. These are all remarkable events. But none had this historical impact to divide all of the history into two everlasting segments, 
B.C., which means before Christ, and A.D., the year of our Lord. This event was the birth of a tiny baby in a manger. His name, beloved, is Jesus. The message of Christmas is simple, yet it's very profound. It speaks to the simple and astounds theologians with the mystery of the incarnation. God come down, put on human flesh. Harry Reasoner, the late ABC and CBS journalist, once wrote this, Christmas moves beyond all logic. It must be either entire falsehood or the truest thing in all the world. It demands acceptance that the God of all creation came to this world in the form of a baby. That premise is so shocking that if it is not true, nothing else in all of Christianity is true. George Cagney wrote this, The teaching of the Incarnation is crucial to the Christian faith. If this fact is not true, then we must face the clear alternative that we cannot know how to be saved, how to live, or even how to think about God. This truth is the most important truth in all of the Christian faith, beloved. It is the point that must continually be made in our society. Winston Churchill is quoted as saying this, If you have an important point to make, don't be subtle, don't be clever. Use a pile driver. Hit it once and hit it again and then hit it a third time with a tremendous whack. Well, with the mass commercialization of Christmas, the church must hit this truth, the fact that Jesus Christ came down in the form of a baby, God incarnate. We must hit that truth with a tremendous whack and declare to the world the crucial nature of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that as we embrace this Christmas holiday season, that we keep our hearts and our minds focused on the true reason for the season, the Lord Jesus Christ come down from heaven to unveil the grace of God to our hearts, that you would not allow the commercialization to crowd out Christ, that you would keep your hearts and your minds focused on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the true reason for this season. We want to thank you here at Graceful Truth for listening each week to our radio program, and we pray that it's been a blessing to your hearts this past year. We'd like to remind you that Graceful Truth originates from the pulpit teaching ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. As you and your family make plans for the Christmas celebrations, if you'd like to include Grace Bible Church in your plans, we'd love to see you. We're having a Christmas Eve service on Christmas Eve at 6.30 to 7.30. We have uh, the scripture reading of the Christmas story, as well as sharing communion together. And of course, we'll be singing some Christmas carols and just having a wonderful time of fellowship. It's just a great way to kick off the Christmas celebrations with a focus on Christ. So we invite you out Christmas Eve, 6.30, for our Christmas Eve service here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Well, as we move into the Christmas season, it is our hope and prayer here at Graceful Truth that you come away with a clear understanding of what God really is doing when he sends his son as a baby to us. You have been listening to Graceful Truth, the weekly radio program originating from the pulpit teaching ministry of Grace Bible Church located here in Redwood City, revealing God's grace through God's truth. It is also our prayer here that God would reveal his grace to your heart through the teaching of his word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come out and visit us 
here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care, Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth Program, we'd love to see you. Plan on joining us for worship or give us a call or write to us. We'd love to know that these programs are encouraging you in Christ. You can call us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. The phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. 9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We have other resource materials available there as well to help you in your walk with Christ. Again, that's gracefultruth.org and a link to our church site as well. Especially if you'd like to join us, we have directions. It's easy to get to us. We're at 2225 Euclid here in Redwood City. And if you're writing to us, that's 2225 Euclid. Redwood City, California. The zip code is 94061. If you'd like to hear today's broadcast again, we'd love to send a copy your way. Simply let us know of your interest and we'll get one out to you. Again, you can reach us at 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. Or visit us again on the web, gracefultruth.org. And we trust and pray that you'll have a blessed week this week. We look forward to seeing you again next week as we continue our look at Christmas during this Christmas season, understanding God's amazing love and grace towards us and becoming one of us as a baby. Well, until next week, may the Lord richly bless you. (music) 